welcome to the latest iteration of the Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. In this episode, we interviewed the Buffalo rock and roll band Governess. We were joined by four members of the band. We had John, Matt, Teddy, and Rob. The band tells some interesting tour stories and a little bit about their song titles and song subject matter. Uh, we discussed, you know, like where the band's coming from, where the band is going, and what they've been up to during COVID. And uh, definitely check it out. This is the latest episode of Nickel City Soundtrack Podcast. And we are here with the band Governess. Everybody introduce yourselves. My name's Alex. I'm Chris. I'm Derek. You guys. We're the band. Come on, uh, give me some names. I want some names. <laughs> I'm, I'm John. I, uh, I do the, the rhythm thing. I'm uh, Robot Rob, singer and bass player for the band. Uh, Fast Teddy Clark, lead guitar. Eddie Wild, I uh, play the drums, percussion, little piano, sit in bathtubs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so um, just just so it's clear, dude is literally in a bathtub while we're doing this. Just candle so lit. it's clear, candle lit, candle lit bathtub. Candle lit bathtub. <laughs> Hold on, let me. I got. I got to warm up here. Hold on. Does it get any this, sexier than that? This may be the most romantic episode we've ever done. And now his eyes are glowing. Is that what I'm seeing? He's wearing sunglasses, man. This is, this is too good. I wish that we I wish that we had a YouTube channel for this. This is too good. I wish we were in that bathtub all doing this together. All this power has gone to his head. He's like Caligula. This is heavy on promoting romance. <laughs> so okay you guys have a record coming out soon but even though i interviewed you on my other podcast let's go back to the beginning um when did governess start um we started i don't know matt when when was it like 2012 2013 rob um i think it started in like spring of 2013 and um we we practiced for about nine or 10 months before we were ready to do our first shows. It was a basement show. And um, the, 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 the show was crazy. It was a pretty well attended show. And it was really like a death trap. It was just a, as, as soon as we got done playing, we all looked at each other and said, let's get the fuck out of this fire trap. <laughs> it just, who, it was just scary to be in there. Who, do you remember but who it, the show was with? Um, it was with, um, it was our first show. It was the first show for some band, uh, Difficult Night, which is, um, I don't think they're around anymore, but um, I think there's some sort of like a indie uh, power pop band or something like that. And it was at the, the Sex Dungeon, which was uh, the house that uh, Jill Martz was uh, renting. That was her basement. And it was the final show for her band. John, you remember the name of her band? Was that um? Oh, geez. Was that well? I don't even know how you pronounce it. It was like Talls or something like that, right? I think Thralls. 
Tall. Tall. T h a l s. Yeah, that's, like that's like what it was. Yeah. yeah, so it was it was her final show. Yeah, so like um before governess, um I was in um, Pink Tiger with Eric, and that band broke up, and then Eric called me and said, "Well, I've been I've been jamming with some guy and writing some songs." The the guy was was John, and um I didn't know John before, and he said, "Well, we need a bass player. Do you do you want to do it?" And I just said, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it." And then uh, John brought Matt into the band, I believe. Yeah. John called me up. He's like, dude, we need a drummer. I was like, oh, yeah, man, I'll play the drums. I didn't touch a drum kit in like five years again since I played in the Red Badge, you know. Another Red Badge, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think what happened was, is I said to Matt, I was like, hey, do you know anybody that's interested in playing drums for a band? We want to sound like Motorhead and like, I think, maybe Danzig or some other kind of influence. And Matt was like, yeah, me. I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So we practiced for a couple of months, we wrote a bunch of songs and then we we're like, well, we're, we need a singer. And I'm like, well, I'll do it. Um, I hadn't, I was a singer in one, one other band, the super destroyers, which is around from like 1998 to 2002. And um, after that, I was playing bass in a bunch of different bands. And I said, well, I just, I want to give singing another shot, you know, before I'm too old to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is my last chance. You have a particular like look and aesthetic. Did that come with the beginning of the band? Or was that like all planned out or did this or did it come later? Oh, it was there right from the start. Uh, we we fine tuned it, you know, over the course of a year or two, but it was always there. Mm-hmm. We we're wearing makeup right from the start. And uh, um, I had the leather biker cap right from the start. The riding crop came later. <laughs> it so always for, does. So, for people who don't know what you guys are like, can you describe your describe your your band's aesthetic? You look like Judas Priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been called Rob Halford a couple of times, and of course, uh, you know it's a compliment. Obviously, obviously, I wouldn't take it any other way. <laughs> Judas Priest, That's Rob well. Halford, or fight Rob Halford. <laughs> <laughs> Both, man. We got mesh too. We're not afraid to wear mesh. I mean, what about what about what? Didn't he have like an industrial band called Two or something two, like that? Where yeah. he's wearing like fur coats. Like, do you do you cover that, Rob Halford, as well? We no, have fur coats. They're on, the, they're on the rack. We haven't yeah. so far, but we definitely will. Like the the fur coat record's coming. Yeah, I don't have a fur it. coat. I think Beckless is the fur coat guy. Oh yeah, yeah. like. My grandma's got one that she always talks about, so I'll probably borrow that from her. Eric and I both have one. We're just waiting for the, the era to begin, but Eric and I both have one on the rack, ready <laughs> to go. Backless awesome. is wearing a fur coat right now. Look at look at that hair. Yeah, guys. he definitely has a fur coat on. <laughs> oh, yeah, baby. I keep it wolf, dude. I thought he was just wearing a sweater in the bathtub. No, man. Is, just... it, is, it, is it wolf or is it bear? Uh, whatever you prefer. Depends on the night of the week. Awesome. <laughs> Let's discuss. I've heard rumors that you guys are a Yugen band. Yeah, I would say that's, I mean, fairly. A pretty safe assumption. Fair, fairly. It's pretty much the common ground between, you know, our scene. I'd you know. say okay. we've, we've, started, we've started off as a Yugen band, but we've. We've made strides to get away from it, not because we don't like it or because we don't appreciate those people. Those 
He's some of the funnest people I've ever hung out with in my life. But we want we want to stand on our own two feet, you know, like that scene comes with its own built-in crowd, which is cool. But mm-hmm. we also want to to appeal to the people that are outside of that. So we made we've definitely made a little bit of a conscious effort not to flaunt that and just try to be like we're a rock and roll band, you know. Has there been to- any like uh for lack of a better term, backlash from the diehard Yugans with that move? No, not at all. No, no, no. We we get we get a ton of support from you know our friends in the Yugan. I don't I don't think that it's um like a divisive thing at all. It's just you know they they enjoy coming out to our shows and we we just love having them. So it's yeah. Certainly, you get almost acts more like AAA for punk rock, where it kind of just points you in the right direction of where the cool bar is, who the cool fucking people are, you know. You know, you might meet some dicks in the Turbo Yugen. For the most part, you're going to meet like-minded people who have a pretty good taste in music, who aren't assholes. You know, and they know where to party. They know, you know, they know the cool bar that stays open late. They give you a couch to crash on. And they're all fucking maniacs. So Every single time that I've seen you guys, I've just had random strangers from 300 miles away wearing their their Turbo Yugen jackets coming up and striking up conversations with me about anything in the whole world. Which is my favorite thing ever. Yeah, random conversation with strangers. <laughs> That's they're our favorite fun, thing ever too. So a fun group of people, and we're not we're not turning our backs on it or anything like that. We've just made a conscious decision just to we don't want to ride anyone's coattails. You know, we want to. Yeah, it's more of that. Cool. It's yeah. more just trying to not try to ride in another band's wake. You know, not try and just totally coast and hope to to pick up momentum just off of their steam. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not, um, you know, we're all still in the Turbo Yugen and we love it. And we're going to, you know, hang out with all those people. We just, we're just not like flying that flag on stage as for playing anymore. Um, but it's, we met a lot of great people and a lot of people on Turbo Yugen are in bands. So we met a lot of bands to, to, to do shows with out of town. Um, you know, like a lot of times when we do play out of town, it's with, it's with people that we met through Turbo Yugen. So it's just a great way to meet people. So people who are into the same stuff that we're into. It's networking for nihilists. You know? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And alcoholics. <laughs> yeah. Alcoholics mostly. None of us are alcoholics. Come on. Each and every one of you take a drink as you say that. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I don't have a problem. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> So, okay, um, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, so your 2000, so how many re- releases have you guys had? So this to be your second album. Second record, yeah. Were there any seven inches or EPs or anything like that? No. There was, a, there was initially a demo, but it wasn't up for very long. It was like a two-song demo we like cut in the basement by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it, pretty much as soon as we had a legitimate recording, we took that down. It's not available anymore. Um, I mean, those two songs ended up being re-recorded for the record anyway. It wasn't like it was like outside of stuff. Um, I'm pretty sure we've just we've recorded just about all of our material with the exception, or released all of our recorded material with the exception of uh, there's a B-side John wrote that we recorded back in the day that we probably will release at some point. Mm-hmm. We have a few ideas for maybe a couple seven inches coming up, um, a couple singles. 
then we might stick some of those tracks on. But yeah, uh, two full proper records as of now. Well, as of next week. Yeah. Did you guys record the new one? You recorded during the pandemic? We finished uh, right recording just before it. this started. Okay. Yeah, we finished I, recording in February of last year. The vocals were done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took it home. And then I started mixing, I think, in May. And I was done mixing by July? Mm-hmm. August. Yeah. August. Yeah. Um, so I, I worked on the mix at home. I, it took a lot longer because I had to relearn some of the software. And I had a computer crash pretty much right in the middle of it. Um, so I had to re get a new computer and like switch everything over. It was like, you know, a huge fucking deal. Um, and mixing takes a while anyway. And like I said, I haven't mixed anything in years. So, um, it took a little bit of time and then we were finished by the middle of summer and then we were kind of waiting around trying to see what the hell was going to go on with, you know, Mm -hmm. the virus and everything. So, we kind of just sat on it for a minute trying to figure out what we were going to do with it. And time went on and we're like, we just can't sit on it anymore. We got to, we got to get it out. And I don't know. We, we, we had a few discussions whether this was a good time to release a record or a terrible time to release a record. And I'm, I still don't know. It's self. We already spent two years working on it total from like start to where we're talking now. Yeah. So I mean, after a while, it's going to be too stale for anything. After a while, you're just doing Chinese democracy. You know, but like Matt was the only guy that couldn't mix that record to begin with, you know, regardless of how happened to relearn it. He was the only guy that was going to be familiar enough with what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And the only guy that was going to be able to make sense out of like all the mountains of fucking guitars and tracks and bullshit. Like every opportunity there was to do something difficult. We pretty much did it difficult. You know, there was no corner cut along the way. It was pretty much. Is there an easy way to do this, is it, or is there an expensive way to do this that might sound a little cooler? <laughs> you know, everywhere Thanks. along the way. You know, could we do four tracks? Absolutely, but eight tracks of guitars are probably going to be quick. You know, yeah. We're, yeah. He was the only guy that was going to be able to figure out the bullocks. The never mind yeah. the bullocks of the whole thing. There were like twenty or thirty different guitar tracks on every song, so anyone else would just be confused by that. So it it had to be done by someone in the band. Where'd you guys record it? Um, so we did bass. Most of the bass tracks were done at um, GCR, um, Robbie's studio from the Google Dolls. We did the drums there, and we did like the guitars and the bass. All there. the all the music was pretty much done there. Yeah, but we know? actually we actually tracked all the guitars in my house and Eric's house, um, and then reamped them in the studio. So pretty much what you do is you go in. Uh, for how familiar you guys are recording guitars and music nowadays, you pretty much go in and record the signal that a guitar puts out into an, um, like a recording interface and it records the signal from the guitar, but not necessarily like coming out of an amp. You record like the performance. And then you take that performance, essentially the thing that came out of the guitar, and then you go into the studio and you take that thing that came out of the guitar and you put it back into an amp. What it ends up doing is saving you a shit ton of time because then you're not in the studio going, well, I fucked this part up. I fucked this yeah. part up. You're not cutting 85 takes at $80 an hour or whatever. Right. The fuck so you, yeah. you essentially get that take perfect at home. You yeah. take all those, uh, that feed, and then you put it into an amp in the studio, and it's like you're playing the part perfect in the studio. So yeah. we did all that stuff at home and then tracked all the amplifiers in the studio, the guitars in the studio, the drums, 
And then we moved to a second studio and did auxiliary shit, which was like vocals, percussion, uh, some other guitar stuff, some other stupid stuff, and um, a lot of arguing and a lot of things like that. Did you record the, first, al- the first album in a similar way, or was it, or is it so? No, 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 the first no, album. No, no. The first, the first album we did was three days. <laughs> the first album was it took three days to make the first album. <laughs> yeah, we we cut the first album in a weekend at my buddy's studio. Yeah. Um, literally, we did it live on the floor, no click track, nothing. Rob went in, did vocals. We fixed all the guitars, like a couple overdubs here and there, and we were out by like the like literally a Friday, a Saturday, and a Sunday, and the fucking record was done. Um, this this record took almost three years to finish. This new one, so I think it's this important. Use your to, illusions. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's also important to note, like when we did the first album, Teddy wasn't in the band, so like it was it was just the four of us, um, and. Then when Teddy joined the band, like Teddy, I feel like Teddy played a huge role in the new one because it's just like, I mean, he's a way better guitar player and musician than any of us. So he added a lot, he added a lot to the whole thing. And so all of a sudden we had all these really cool kind of creative, um, you know, guitar fills and leads um, and he's a great lead player. So he just added what would have been what I think were already great songs and just made them really fucking great. So um, we just wanted everything on this new album to just sound like, you know, we're just putting our best shot forward, you know, as far as not just the the rhythm and shit like that, but like the solos and just really make it fucking sound big. How did he end up in the band? So that's, that's kind of funny story. So um, it's all John's fault. (laughs) Actually, it is all my fault. Um, what happened was, is we had a show, I think we had a couple shows booked and one was in uh, Jersey. And um, we we play, Jer- we play Asbury Park a lot and we have a pretty good following there and we didn't want to cancel the show. I couldn't make the show initially. And um, so we were like, do we, do we know another guitar player to fill in? And um, we kind of started hanging out with Teddy around that time. And then, so Teddy agreed to do it. And then it turned out, I could play the show. So we just said, fuck it. Like, let's, you know, we already asked Teddy, let's all play as a, you know, you know, triple guitar attack and see how it fucking goes. And, and it was a great show. It was an awesome show. And then I think Matt was the one who suggested kind of after the fact, like, Hey, do you guys want to get Teddy in the band like full time? And I think we were all pretty unanimous with it. Yeah. We didn't have to think about it for at all. Really. It's like, yeah, he's fucking awesome guitar player. And, great guy we love hanging out with him so he's fit right in perfectly really fills out your sound live too before and afters it really yeah. does i mean the triple guitar attack man it's it's a tough thing to approach musically because so many bands got the two guitars and it's you kind of know what to do with two guitars like you know even when you're recording too you just pan the fuckers left and right and you're good to go when you're dealing with three guitars uh, you know, live, it's there's there's a lot of room to move, but even on a recording, it's very that was it. The other reason to like do the the record kind of like by ourselves as far as the mixing was concerned, because a lot of times, you know, someone's not gonna know what to do with three guitar parts going on. And it's like, do you do you throw two to the side and one up the middle? But then like, you know, the vocals are also in the middle, so it's getting covered up. So you gotta you gotta kind of move things around, but Three guitars is uh it's a lot to deal with, but we are a guitar band. I mean, like 
when you listen to record, like the guitars are front and center. There's nothing, there's nothing that tells you anything else otherwise. Like, and that's the, that's the message behind it all at the end of the day. I mean, rock and roll bands should be guitar heavy. I mean, a lot of bands now, they just, you know, put the drums super loud and it's, it's a quick way to make your record sound heavy, but the guitar should be front and center. We're a rock band. Like it's guitars, yeah. it's, it's guitar music. That's what it is. So. Yeah, it was an interesting situation to come into. Like, I was just ready to fill in for Johnny. They're like, no, man, let's do three guitars. And I really was just like, man, what are we? The f- We're not the fucking Eagles. This is just going to be ridiculous. How many, no, we're how not many power Eagles. chords we're can Blue three Easter fucking Cult. guys play? Because then when we actually all got in the fucking room, it is something when all three are fucking raging and the drums are going. You could fucking lean into it like a fucking tornado. And, you know, once the fucking train goes... It is hard to deny, like, you know, I think we played the first song and all kind of looked in the room, kind of like, ooh, fuck. Well, <laughs> it's one of those things that, when you go. That once really you took off three, a second. Yeah, one, once you get to three, like, you can't, we can't ever ratchet it back, you know what I mean? Like, if you push something out further, like, we can't go back to two guitars after you've had three guitars. There's just, there's no fucking point either way, you know? It fits the whole motif of everything. The entire thing just is excessive. Everything about governance is just excessive and unnecessary. The whole thing is superfluous. And it just makes it that much more fucking ridiculous. It's just three fucking guitars screaming nonsense about cocaine and dicks and just asses and denim. And, and you know, you show up and there's 25 people all just kind of roll in at the same time. And you don't know who it's. It, it, it's 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 a perfect fit you know what i mean like i did, i was very nervous about fucking up what i liked about governess if i did join because you know the the fucking equation gets changed no matter how you and no matter if you're going to enter in a new party and i my first time there i was really trying to stand back and just fill the gaps you know but once once the wave started building it was pretty easy to figure out like where to stand and just ride the fucker and, you know, see where we land. <laughs> now I'm the one who just stands back and I just let her ride these wave. I just let him do his thing. So is the How next much... record about cocaine and dicks? Yeah. Most likely. Exclusively. Yeah. Staying stay on that theme. Yeah. Well, I just want to say like, I just love that it's i mean how many bands have three guitar players it's just ridiculous it's over the top it really hasn't been done since the 70s except maybe iron maiden blue extra cult like how many bands have three guitar players uh it's the just, only other three it's I too much offhand are collective soul for some reason uh skinner and the outlaws <laughs> Fucked up. Uh, there's too. a there's a current hardcore band, God's Hate, who now has three guitar players. And Dude, fucked up. Three guitar players, man. That's up. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to God's Hate the other day. I kind of like them. They're like a heavy. I don't know how you describe them. It's just it gave me like old '90s hardcore. Do they? Vibes. They yeah. sound like fucking a hundred percent. They sound like Marauder. But the the first time I saw God's Hate, they were all wearing Marauder shirts and did a Marauder cover. It was fucking awkward as hell. So, so speaking anyway, of like uh, your like lyrics and stuff, what 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 are your lyrics about? Cocaine and well, dicks. We're pretty Not much. I would dicks. say the, the whole point of this band when we started, we just want to be a sex, drugs, and rock and roll rock and roll band like ACDC, 
like Guns N' Roses, like Motorhead, just like not, you know, we don't talk about politics or anything serious. It's basically, we're not any more serious than ACDC is. Um, Eric writes most of the lyrics and most of the songs. Um, sometimes Eric will write music and I'll write lyrics to them. Sometimes he'll write a song with half of the lyrics and I'll finish them. And, you know, a bunch of the songs are written by, you know, we, we've all written, everyone in the band has written songs for the band, but it's, it's it is primarily Eric. Um, I think Ted has three songs on the new album. At least. And, and he yeah. wrote, he wrote all the lyrics for all the songs that he wrote. That's just the way the band works now. Yeah. Like our time together is pretty limited the, to get five of us in the fucking room really takes a lot of fucking coordination for some reason yeah. but so when you come like it's really all fucking business when there actually is governess rehearsals so to bring new material you can't really come half-assed you can't come with just like a half a riff or have one verse you really got to kind of come with something completed to see if it's worth everybody's fucking time to sit here and fucking all right let's try it you know and i kind of like that i think it almost makes it almost makes the cream rise to the top of just like you have to be forced to have a finished product to show and kind of be like, what do we think? And then from there, it can take on these, you know, there's a couple songs on the record where, you know, it was really brought and fuck, we got it. Like, fuck, that's it, you know. And then there's others where, I mean, fuck, they probably got rewritten 15 times over 18 months. But yeah. just just the nature of the band, it kind of everything is all or fucking nothing. You're either on or off. You know, you're kind of in character or you're fucking not i mean we're all so you gotta kind of like, come ready we don't have time to just like have one riff and sit there and jam on it and see what happens like yeah, I know we're not the do Allman that, brothers, we, don't, you know. we don't do that also mark i i just want to say that a lot of the um the the songs lyrically um are i feel like kind of almost inside jokes amongst ourselves um, and we write about like our friends and shit that probably, you know, other people might not understand, but you know, it's, it's so your friends, friends, you say, who are, who are the gay boy berserkers? Oh, uh, we're not, we're not, we're not fucking looking at them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that, that one's self, that one's autobiographical for sure. <laughs> Was there really oh. a chain fight in the fire factory? That song's about the movie Cobra, dude. Yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the end of Cobra, they're fighting in the in the fire factory at the end. It makes no sense whatsoever. And it was just like, all right, that's a perfect song. Actually, that song, John wrote the music and I wrote the lyrics to that one. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Rob, why don't you talk about the lyrics to Cobra a little bit? Or to a chain fight, sorry. Uh <laughs> I haven't seen this in a couple so years. I'm trying to he remember. hasn't seen Cobra in a while. Yeah. yeah. I was about to say, like, I'm trying to remember some of the lyrics, but it's it's pretty specific. Like, once you know that song, it's oh, about yeah. that movie. Axis Clash in the Dusty Warehouse. This is the age of the new world. I am a hunter, I kill the weak, only the strong survive. Those those are actually just lines from the movie. Yeah. Like, I just watched <laughs> I just watched the movie. This is how I wrote that song. I watched the movie. And anytime said somebody said something that I thought would be cool and could be in a song, I just wrote it down. And I just put all these words together and made a song out of it. That's awesome. 
That's cool. The version of the first governance record that I had, Eric gave me when I tattooed him, and it was just a CDR and it didn't have any info on it. So I just had to fill in the gaps of what I thought the titles of songs were. And it was <laughs> it was Cobra for quite a long time. <laughs> nice. And four or five that I was totally off on and never even I still I still have the time can't identify gay boy berserkers by title. I just know that that's that that's the song in E, you know. One more thing. Is there a Thunder Tits? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thunder Tits is a real person. <laughs> okay. And it, it's, it's a man. guy. It's not a girl. It's, it's a guy. Sex. Of course, of course <laughs> it's a guy. Of course it is. All of our songs are about men, Mark. None of our songs are about women. <laughs> That's good to hear. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thunder Tits was, uh, it's a body of mainly Eric and John's, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. me too. I've known him for a while, Mine too. too. Yeah, mine too. Oh, oh, Teddy was in a band with him too. Yeah, I yeah. I forgot. It's full circle around here, so it's pretty uh, incestuous. Around it's here. a small world. It's Buffalo. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people know what songs are about them, and a lot of people don't know what songs are about them, and we kind of like to keep it that way. So very good. So but that's um, basically the spirit, I think, of the record. Like the new record, lyrically, it breaks down to a lot of inside jokes, but it's basically just kind of existing in a scene that no one really cares about, but it's still a scene unto itself. So it's super clicky and there's personalities and it's very, you know, it's, it's trying to exist in something that no one seems to give a fuck about. Yeah. <laughs> it's trying to be iconic. It's trying to be iconic when nobody's paying attention. You, yeah. you don't need to know the inside jokes to enjoy the songs though. Oh, They're very archetypal. <laughs> <laughs> so the new album, the themes are along the same lines then is what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Yeah, nihilism falls to the wall. Just kind of tomorrow don't fucking matter. So let's burn away today. You know, is, I is think that's, time that's generally the spirit of. Oh yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty much the antithesis of like what what straight edge hardcore is. Pretty much, you know, the irony. We're the, the yang, yang, It's man. scratching the itch from the other side. That's yeah, nice. the irony, the irony of that in this podcast, right? Yeah, it's like I mean, it's like <laughs> it's two sides right here. Dude, we're the we're the same we're the same side of your coin. We're the uh yeah, it's the same coin, different sides. We're, yeah. we're the we're the ice to your fire. <laughs> we're, <laughs> you're, you're the ice to our tea. <laughs> we're the crack to your coffee. You know? yeah. <laughs> so have you and guys lukewarm water somewhere in the middle? Have you guys thought about things have you even thought about stuff going on after the pandemic like stuff you might want to do well i think it, you know as soon as we're all vaccinated we're going to start getting together and practicing again and mm -hmm. obviously we, we want to do shows as soon as possible as soon as um it's safe to do so you guys have toured right we've done some we've done some kind of i guess you'd say light touring um we um we've we've kind of been around the east coast we've done some kind of midwest i don't know kind of down to nashville i think that was one of the further shows we played um we played a big show out in vegas um a year two two years ago now mm -hmm. Jesus, there's years. in 2018 2018 yeah it's crazy yeah. um and um but yeah i mean we we want to get we want to get out there i mean we'd like to get out there as much as possible Mm -hmm. Honestly, uh, 2020, 2020 was going to be that year. You know, we had the record ready pretty much on deck. And, you know, 
nothing but momentum behind us. We took all of 2019 off. We played six shows in all of 2019 just to kind of keep, you know, keep a low presence. But, hey, we're still here. Something big is coming. We got something ready. You know, now we've just sat with our thumb up our ass for fucking 14 I think months. everyone is just kind of ignoring 2020. Like, okay, that that was a weekend that everyone's just going to forget about. Yeah. It's the asterisk. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we're not really we're not really falling behind any of the other bands because nobody else no. can do anything either. Yeah, true. So it's all it's it's a it's an even playing field. It's not like other bands are out there promoting themselves and we're not. We're all just doing nothing. You're just trying to keep your own fucking morale up and just trying to be excited to go back to it and do it again, you know, and not worry about. You know, what that's what's that going to mean? Oh, cool. Are we going to play to 25 people instead of fucking 50? You know, like, what is that? You know, oh, cool. Is everybody going to sit down now? Like Max's Kansas City? You know, I <laughs> are you um, are you how, how has the record been received? I know you guys have pre-orders and stuff. Have people been buying it up? Yeah, we um, moving well. We're just about sold out of our first press. Awesome. Um, I'm not at liberty to say how many we pressed, but we pressed quite a few and they're just about gone. And uh, obviously we got to hold a few back for when, if we do start playing shows mm -hmm. um, and a couple, you know, if anything happens to them in the post or something like that, but we're probably going to do a second press. I would assume almost immediately just because we're going to need them, especially once. Yeah. Once we we're going to have to do a second press pretty soon. And I didn't think that we would have to do a second press so soon. I was thinking maybe a couple of years we'd have to do a second pressing. No, it's it's, it's now that we yeah. might need to do it. It's pretty much now we're going to have to do it again. And um, I mean, our first record sold slow, but it sold well. We've pressed, it was on CD only at this point, but um, we've had to press that twice, I think now, right, Rob? Yeah, we did. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we, we did the first run sold out and then we, we got a new, new batch. So we still have plenty of those. Yeah, we still got some well. of those, and like I said, the second one we're probably gonna have to repress right away again. So, so um, did you did you guys do anything special? Like, is there like limited colors or like anything funky with the cover or anything, or is it just like a straight up release? Uh, Ted, did you guys end up numbering them or no? We didn't number them; they were okay. a little dark, but yeah, I mean they're still green marble vinyl. Yeah, on the limited first run, you know, uh, the second the vinyl is the only one that has the insert. You know. Yeah, we're probably going to do a different color for the second run. So the first, the first run is like a, it's like a green marble. It's pretty dark, but it it is green. Um, if you hold up to the light, to like the sunlight, it's very obvious. But um, mm -hmm. but yeah, like the second press, I doubt we're going to do the same color. I'm sure we're going to switch the color up at this point, and those first ones will be what they were. So, you have plans to do the first record on vinyl the way that you said that. Uh, I've, been put, I've been pushing hard for it. So <laughs> we've we've talked it. about this at length about what we what we we kind of want to like commemorate the fact that Ted's in the band now. Like the first record is what it is, and it it represented us at the time. But we've we've also um, added so much to those tunes with Ted, and it's not necessarily like we want to re-record the first record. I don't think we want to do that, but we want to do like appeal sessions or something where. We do, you know, we cut the luck, we go through the whole first record live in the studio, you know, do a couple takes of each tune with Ted on it, with that dimension bringing to it. And then maybe doing something where we release that record with the first, you know, 
release the like the peel sessions, give everyone like the extra stuff. I mean, and I would rather almost press the peel sessions um, just because it's like an updated version of that first record. We haven't talked about it at length, especially since the beginning of the pandemic, because that kind of threw a wrench in everything and, you know, slow down putting out this rec the, the record we're working on now and slow down what we were having ideas for with the, uh, you know, the studio session for that record. But it's something we've brought up a, a number of times and I wouldn't be surprised within the next year if we do end up doing something along those lines, um, releasing that first record again with Ted on it as appeal sessions. And then obviously like a digital version where you get, you get the whole nine yards. So I've been the vocal majority on what the first record pressed on vinyl. I'm not even on it, but the fucking record smokes. You know, and it's the whole reason I'm in the van. Like when Eric gave it to me, I think I put it in my car and I took my 14 minute drive home. And by the time I got home, I knew how to play the first four or five songs. Like I just, I just, I knew the formula. I got it. I just got it. And then it felt like when I was playing along to it, all the gaps were what I would have done. I was like, man, I just feel like you guys were just waiting for me to do my session, man. I got, I know all the little <laughs> tidal waves and wooda woodas and wheelies. I got them all, man. And, and that, that record stands on its own. You know what I mean? I'm, yeah. I, yeah, I think that so. sort of John Peel BBC session kind of thing, that live, no audience kind of thing. I think that's probably our next big undertaking to get underway. But that first record, I definitely feel like it needs to stand on its own. It's it's a blueprint, man. It's, it's, it's a fucking killer fucking record. Yeah. And they're not mutually exclusive. You you know, you could do one or the other or both. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if the money is right and the, uh, the circumstances are right, maybe we'll do both. You know, it's... Uh... I mean, right now we're doing everything independently. You know, no one's helping us. Um, so, and that's just kind of how the way things are right now. So we'll see what ends up happening. And maybe that's something that does happen in the future. You never know. Uh, all right. So let's, uh, let's hear your guys' top five rock and roll stories. Like what, what craziness has governess gotten into on the road or at home? Like, let's hear some shit. Well, I would say that the, the tops, I would want maybe, um, John to tell the story, but the, the best story was the first time we played in Asbury Park, New Jersey, the party in Charlie's basement. There's this guy, Charlie, who was a bass player <laughs> in, hot blood, in, hot, in Hot Blood, who was one of the bands that we met in Asbury Park. And we went there to play with them. And um, so he he let us stay in his he has a finished he has a beautiful big house and he let us he has a finished basement um with a, like a parlor in there and then then a, f a full soundproof recording studio so he said we can stay in his house we don't have to buy you know but pay for hotel rooms or whatever and um so we went there he said after the show we played there on a saturday night we could go there and we could crash at his place and he goes but listen you guys you got to be quiet because my wife's a doctor she gets up real early in the morning she has to be at the hospital at like six seven o'clock in the morning some shit like that so we're like we go in there and we're like tiptoeing around being super quiet everyone's like shh don't wake her up and then john tell tell them what happened so, after that so it was just it, it was like something out of a movie like something out of animal house or something there's like all of a sudden there's this like group of i don't even know how many people and i might just i was pretty pretty drunk so it might my memory is a little hazy, but I seem to remember that there was like probably like 10 to 15 people that just kind of ran in the house. And there was this 
little Hispanic kid that just ran in and just screamed at the top of his lungs, let's party. They're like, well, so much, so much for the, uh, the, the quiet, um, you know, so much for the quiet. So basically just these people kind of flooded in the house and it just turned into a rager of a house party. Um, Where was this kid from the, the, the show or just from the neighborhood? He was, he was like friends with some of those guys. So, um, the bands that we played with. So, so we played with Hot The first four Danzig albums were on repeat all night long. It's just yeah. Danzig after Danzig. It was just a lot of Danzig. One through night. four all night. One through four all night. It was perfect. Um, no, it was weird. So shout out, first of all, to Hot Blood and Battery Electric. They're kind of like the two really big bands in um, Asbury Park. And they've been awesome to us in terms of like when we play there, they always put us up and we always party with them. We always have a great time. They're like good homies of ours. But um, yeah, so it was just like friends of theirs. And they just kind of showed up and this this quiet night in where we were supposed to kind of tiptoe down just became this absolutely, you know, debaucherous night that, you know, we were It was one of the fun. biggest, it turned out to be one of the biggest ragers any of us have ever been to. Yeah. Yeah, and it was supposed to just be this quiet night in, so that was great. So uh, did, did she wake up and say anything? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... I won't name any names, but a couple people were upstairs in the kitchen using some kitchen knives of hers to do some things. Mark, I see Mark laughing already. Uh, you know, cut some things up, if you will. And uh, apparently at that point is when she walked through the kitchen and came downstairs and started yelling at Charlie. And I Oh, we're probably gonna get in trouble for all this stuff. I don't know. But Charlie, do do you guys remember what happened? His wife started yelling at him, and he was just like giggling, like uncontrollably. Yeah. At this he, point, at this point, it's probably like seven a.m. And he's just like, like he can't even like you know function at this point. Got the bedtime sillies. Yeah, he got the bedtime <laughs> sillies. <laughs> but I'm not naming any names. But uh, yeah, check the innocent. Uh, so what happened? Like he's he's got the giggles. She's pissed off because her cutlery is being used for non-cutlery purposes, or at least not cutting what she's accustomed to. Like what happens? Uh, Are I they still know. together? Do they get a divorce on the spot? No, no, like, no. They're still together. They're still. Together. I assume she yeah. knows who she was married to. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't have been the first time. Yeah. So that was just like one example of of some, you know, just like a crazy night. But we played another show. Um, I don't know if this is like a crazy, I mean, it was just like a really fun show. We played this um, show in Brooklyn. Um, it might've been right. Or, it was, I think it was around the same time. And it was like, it was the, the day show, before. It was the day before. Was it the day before? That was a yeah. while. Yeah. That was, a it was just week. the day before. Yeah. We played it. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Brooklyn or, or Hank saloon. Um, it was like an old spot. I don't even know if it's still around, but um, it was this ginormous um, like skinhead show. Um, and, uh, not, not the racist kind of skinheads or whatever, just, you know, but, um, we just weren't sure like how we were going to go over and it just, that in itself turned into a giant party. And I just think that the, you know, kind of the thing with our band is, you know, we, we play with bands that we like and, you know, they, it usually turns into a big party. So yeah, well, I mean, friend, Brooklyn skinheads love Coke and Dick, so I'm not surprised that you went over well. <laughs> I mean, our friend Mel's is a skinhead. He's, a, and, um, we all know him. He's a great guy, and he 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 booked the show for us, 
And uh, we didn't know how well we be received because we it was us and two skinhead bands. And um, they fucking loved us, really. They um, they all came up to us and were like, wow, you guys are just great. Because a lot of like the real old skinhead music is just it's just rock and roll. Yeah. You know, it's who, not... are, the, who are the two bands just out of curiosity? 45 adapters. 45 okay, adapters, yeah. which I think was one of the guys. I could be wrong it's a, here. It's I a side project. It was a side project of one of the dudes from the Templars. I yeah. think. Templars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy um, in the temp. Yeah, this that's the guy in the Templars. That's a side project. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I forget who the, I forget who the other band was. John, do you remember? I don't remember off the top of my head, but um, you can look it up. It's it's on. There's like pictures from that show, and like it's got what bands were on that show. I think from those pictures that we put on there. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's not yeah. that important. You don't have to look it up. Yeah, no, I remember. I remember vaguely that show happening because uh, I live in Queens. So yeah. Mel, Mel, who did the show, you guys might actually know Mel. Mel Teresler, he was a uh, he's homies with Ruben. He lived in Buffalo for like four or five years. Um, yeah, that's how we know him is when he from when he lived in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he knows. I mean, and he would go. He would sometimes go to hardcore shows and stuff. Um, so, he's also like one of the nicest people I've ever met. In my yeah, entire he's world, the so. sweetest guy in the entire world. So yeah. Um, some other wild shows. Uh, there's a new song on a record called "Bad Vibes," and it was about it's about the second show we've ever played. It was at the Gypsy Parlor, and um, it was a someone was there and wrote an article about the show about how and the article was called "Bad Vibes at the Gypsy Parlor." Because we got there and I don't know what happened. It was just, you know, we we kind of carry that that negative cloud with us, kind of like integrity, you know what I mean? Like we've got that that black cloud, man. That black cloud that follows us. So Yeah. Well the show we had uh, uh Rotten UK uh was playing the show with us and um And they're from uh, where? Uh, Rotten UK. <laughs> they're from they're from Rochester. They're from uh, Birmingham, England. <laughs> so, and the first song, um, James Von Sen, he smashes. Uh, he had a cocktail glass and he smashes it on his forehead, just you know for a show. And um, you know when you get as you know anyone who's a wrestling fan knows a tiny little cut on your forehead will produce a whole lot of blood, and you don't even feel it. Like it doesn't even hurt. But foreheads bleed like crazy. So he had blood gushing all over his face throughout the whole show. And it looked fucking cool. It was, looked great. And um, so then after the show, he goes in the bathroom to wash his face. And then his girlfriend was freaking out. She thought he was seriously hurt. And he wasn't. It's, it's just a tiny little cut from a little tiny little piece of glass. He wasn't hurt at all. He was fine. And I think just uh, a girl going into the men's room got the bouncers upset. And then it was just mayhem after that. Yeah, the security guard um, ripped the girlfriend, literally ripped her out of the men's bathroom. Um, And then it kind of turned into this giant melee that, you know, you know, punches were thrown and it, it just got a little bit wild. And we were kind of, I mean, we kind of got pulled into the whole thing, but we didn't. You know, that was that was Rodden's doing. That wasn't anything well, he had to do when, with. When we were playing, so I don't know if you guys, I don't know if you guys, any of you guys outside of the band know who Tony Bastard was. Yeah, so Tony Bastard was 
technically, technically, kind of as a joke, our first manager. I mean, he never really did anything, but uh, we we had him represent us because he was a fucking, uh, you know. Uh, maniac. Maniac, yeah. We <laughs> tend to gravitate towards maniac, so. Um, he was there at the show, and there was, like, when we were playing, I'm pretty sure there was, like, a projector that they put on the wall, like, a projector, and I'm pretty sure he ripped it off, like, during the first song, like, just ripped the fucker off the wall. And, again, so to bring this back to what, what I was talking about is the song on the record, Bad Vibes, is all about this night. And it's like a, a, literally a, a, a note-for-note account of what happened. Like, we started playing, and, you know, shit started hitting the fan. Rotten played, and bad things happened. We all got kicked out of the fucking gypsy parlor. I don't know. It's just kind of... It kind of comes to the territory of being in this band that, like I said, it's the black cloud that follows us. But I mean, that's uh, it is what it is. You know what I mean? It's but we kind of wear we that. wave a flag of negativity. Yeah, we, kind of, but we also kind of wear that with pride, like the, in the same way. Like, I don't know why it happens, but, you know, bad shit seems to happen to us. But we're not going to stop as a result of that. Like, we just got to carry through and write a song about it, you know, so. Long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. If, the, if these things didn't happen, would it really be rock and roll? Yeah, man. I mean, that's kind of the point, right? <laughs> Adventure. So one of the last questions we like to ask on this podcast is, you know, our podcast is about Buffalo bands, releases, stuff like that. Who do you think we should have on this podcast in the future? Oh, man. From Buffalo? Yeah, they have to be from Buffalo. It's Nickel City soundtrack, buddy. I like that. Um, I like that Violent Way band. Um, uh, we just did them. Did you? Did you guys just do them? Okay. Cool. Oh, we had Mason from Violent Way on like uh, a couple yeah. days ago. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll, hasn't um, dropped I'll have yet, to, but you know, I'll have to check. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I think that they're good. I like. Yep. I like that EP that they that they just released. That's, that's, that's it. I'm pretty sure we've all been checking that out at this point. Yeah, it was really good. I'm trying to think. I don't. I don't even know who the hell else is going in Buffalo right now that I can even think of. I mean, it's tough too because, like, normally you know you see show announcements, so you know like new bands and stuff. But like, yeah, well, <laughs> there's no the show is, announcements. We don't have like, we don't have any bands in Buffalo that are kind of like on the same style that we are. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I wish there were, but there's there's just not. Yeah, but um. You know, I'm I'm friends with all the guys in Soul Butchers, and they're one of the. I think they're one of the best bands in Buffalo. Have you done them already? We have not, but I do know I do know that band. So yeah, that yeah. Would be, they're a great band. That'd be pretty interesting. Yeah, you should get Rotten UK. And, but they're from Birmingham, uh, United Kingdom. So. Off the fly, not, not Rochester. Know. It'd be better no. if they were from Rochester. We could fake it. <laughs> no man, and they're from uh, they're from uh, the motherland, UK. So. <laughs> They got across the ponds to get here, you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I think I think what Rob was saying is is like with our band, it's like we're kind of just this, I don't know, this unique entity in in Buffalo, like in terms Definitely. of like what we do. You know, it's it's like I I love hardcore, um, but it's like with hardcore, it's like there's there's always a you know there's some good bands and there's some bad bands and there's always like a dime a dozen with hardcore, especially in Buffalo. I mean, that's true. I think 
all over the place. But in terms of kind of like what we do, it's, it's harder for us to find kind of bands around here to play with. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just because it's like, let's it, it is, I would say we're in, the, we're in that zone, like we're in the same zone as like Motorhead or Guns N' Roses where they're both kind of metal and both kind of punk, but not really. They're more just like rock and roll. They're more just like Motorhead and Guns N' Roses are just bands that are rock and roll bands that have some elements of metal and some elements of punk, but they're not really a metal band or a punk band. That's what we are. Makes sense. That's yeah. the whole aesthetic not, of the whole band is it's just, it's not that we really sell. It's too technical like for punk rock. You know what I mean? It's a little too wanky for the metal guys. It's way too druggy and, and, makeup-y for the hardcore crowd you know what i mean it's it we just it doesn't fit but everything we steal from and all our all our influences didn't fit you know what i mean like it's yeah. just like where turbo it falls, negro. You know? like yeah, exactly. if, if you listen to turbo negro um they're they're you know they're they're last not you know they're the last like four or five albums that doesn't sound like punk rock at all yeah but they there they are like headlining punk rock bowling. yeah 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 we were there me and rob were there for that right right rob yeah. 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 Which time? They, the last couple, like in the last like eight or nine years, yeah. I think they've headlined twice. Because I was yeah, at we were, Rob, I what was year did we see there them? For was the, 2017? 2015. 2015 was the first time we yeah. were that we went together to, to see Turbo Negro um, at Punk Rock Bowling. And then um, when we were the, when we, when we played, we played a, a, a club show at Punk Rock Bowling in 2018. That's when we, we all Ooh, went God. to Vegas together. To, to do a to play the, a bar. Uh, what, okay, the bar across from the pizza place. In the pizza yeah. place. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we okay. played it in was like alley. behind the pizza place. It was like this we alley. We played in the pizza place. We 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 played at, at um um Evil Pie, and then we played yeah, at uh, Beauty Bar across the street the next day. Okay. Or no, it's, nice. we played Evil Pie Friday night, and we played at two o'clock in the afternoon at Beauty Bar, and we were all. John wasn't there for that one because he had to, he had to he had to skip town. <laughs> but um, we were all so the guy who booked the show. I was at I was at White Castle at like one o'clock. So I'm texting the guy who booked the show. And I'm like, when do we go on? He's like, you're on next. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I fucking run out of White Castle. I'm texting the other guys in the band. So I'm like, get your ass over to Beauty Bar. We're on next. And we were not in good shape because we were partying pretty hard the night before. And um, we did a good show. And after the show, all four of us could not believe that none of us puked. Yeah. Because we all felt like pu- it was hot as hell in there in that bar. And uh, yeah. we were all we we're not feeling very well, but we did a real ripper of a show anyways. Yeah, my, my first experience with the Yugen has been at Punk Rock Bowling. And uh, like it's been said, like for the most part, great people. Uh, and it, it's like particularly the Turbo Negro weekends, and like you just see the like the sea of denim, and you know, like identifying where everybody's from and stuff. It's always like a little bit of a game to us to like who can find the most countries or whatever. Yeah, people come from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, people, oh, yeah. from J- people from Japan in Vegas for that. Yeah. Yeah, like literally all over the world. It's crazy. The Turbo yeah. Negro years of punk rock bowling are always the best ones because punk rock bowling becomes the American gathering 
for totally. a turbo you can you know and it's, i feel like there is nothing I, fucking like it you know yeah i feel like the, even non-turbo years it's prb is the like you can gather yeah, it still is but if, if turbo's there then that's yeah, extra yeah. like all right let's yeah all right i'll go this year i could give a fuck about seeing agnostic front again but you know let's yeah. go see <laughs> not like they play it but yeah i mean they played like once i think but yeah i know it's saying no. all right on that note i think we're gonna wrap this up we thank you guys for coming on and chatting with us and- uh Real quick, where can people get your record? Uh, governess.bandcamp.com is probably going to be the best spot to check out. Obviously, the Facebook, the Instagram, we're on that shit too. Um, we're the governess from Buffalo, not the governess from DC, who is, I don't think, no, we're not the done. mom band. Yeah, yeah they're done. Um, we're the five drunk guys, not three girls. Yeah, <laughs> we wanted to play a show with them, but I think they turned us down, and I can understand why. Um, but yeah, like, governess.bandcamp.com come check us out uh if you like rock and roll records it's probably going to appeal to you so awesome and we appreciate you guys uh doing this thank you Good. thanks for giving us yeah. something to do sure yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. we appreciate it guys all right thank you thank, thank you, you. All right. Thank you. Thank you yeah